We are uh, continuing this series we started a couple of weeks ago about what is our shape. Um, that God has shaped every one of us to carry out His kingdom work. To share the gospel, to make disciples of all generations, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And as Kelly so beautifully illustrated, God has uh, uniquely shaped and equipped each one of us in different ways to accomplish his task for us, the things that He wants us to do. And He, he wants us to do them in life-changing, world-impacting ways. Another analogy we might use are like a jigsaw puzzle pieces or Lego pieces that make a model. We are each shaped by God in specific ways so that together we can display a beautiful, complete picture of Christ to a watching world. And we're using this acronym SHAPE to help us understand where and how God wants to use us today. And, and today we're going to look at the first part of that. So two weeks ago we sort of introduced this whole concept. Uh, today we're going to look at the first letter in this acronym SHAPE, and that is spiritual gifts. Now throughout the Bible we see examples of God's Spirit empowering His people, Old Testament and New Testament, to carry out His mission. But Peter and Paul are the two New Testament writers that give us the most about spiritual gifts. They, they write the most about that. And, uh, and as we read those passages, and we're just going to look really at, at one main one today, we have to remember that they were writing to address specific problems in specific churches. Uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthian Christians, for example, that we're going to look at this morning. And people, when they read these passages, especially Paul's passages, we can get a little confused. Or we can get a little overwhelmed because if you're like me, you, sometimes you want to open up the Bible and you want it to be like a you know, spiritual gifts for dummies kind of workbook, right? You know, that's just going to kind of spell it all out there for you in the simplest terms. And that's not Paul's purpose here. He was writing to correct some very bad theology in Corinth and some really poor practices. But we can still learn from that and discover a lot about spiritual gifts. Um, in the bulletin, in the announcements, I mentioned that there's a pastor's book club uh, that we're going to start something out. This is, uh, Thomas, this is one of the things we're trying to do different during a pandemic. How can we, you know, add some different things? There's some things we can't do these days, so we're trying some new things. And so we're going to have a, an in-person session and a Zoom session and uh, invite you to be a part of that. I think we're going to have a great discussion. But the book we're reading for that is Kemp Hemp, Ken Hemphill's book, You Are Gifted. And he does a fantastic job in that book of really going in-depth in these, particularly these passages here in 1 Corinthians. And I really encourage you to read that. And we're going to look a little bit more into this Wednesday night. Um, I, I thought I'd have two Sundays to talk about spiritual gifts. We're covering it in one, and it's a, it's a packed service. So hang on tight. Get ready to drink water from a fire hose, okay? We're going we're gonna to be powering through this. But Wednesday night, we'll be able to spend some time in our shape workshop going into a little bit more in-depth here. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Paul writes, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
to one there is given the Spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. So in today's message, I want to do what Paul said here. I want to cover the basics so that we are not ignorant about spiritual gifts. That's kind of the main thing I want to accomplish this morning. And the first question you might have is, well, Pastor David, what are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? This was a question that some in Corinth didn't fully understand. Some of the people in Corinth thought that they were super Christians. They thought they were like these super spiritual saints because they were exhibiting particular visible, miraculous gifts like speaking in tongues. And they were looking down on those people who weren't doing those things. They failed to understand spiritual gifts because they failed to understand the source of spiritual gifts. That's the first blank in your notes. The source of spiritual gifts is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the source. Now, Paul's argument here in verses 2 and 3 are about the fact that the Holy Spirit is the source of the very faith that we place in Christ. He is the the one who initiates our, our salvation, and in the same way, the Holy Spirit is the source of our spiritual life, of our spiritual growth, of our ministry, and that includes spiritual gifts. Now, Paul goes on in verses 4 through 6 to emphasize this idea that we all share the same Spirit even though we have different life experiences, even though we have different personalities and gifts and abilities and, and, and different burdens on our heart, despite all of that, we have the same Spirit. Now, there is great diversity in the church. And that's one of the beauties of the church. And Thomas, I know you see a lot of this as you go to other churches and you interact with other churches, that even in the Georgia Baptist Convention as well, there's such a beautiful diversity of churches of all ethnicities and of all sizes and of all worship styles. That's one of the beauties of the body of Christ. And look at how Paul here in verses 4 through 6 contrasts the words same and different. It's the same Spirit, same Lord, same God, different kinds of of gifts, different kinds of ministries, different kinds of workings. This is an important overarching principle really to this entire series of messages on our shape is that Christian unity is not uniformity. We'll say that again. Christian unity is not uniformity. The, the beauty of the church is the diversity of the people. The variety in how God has shaped each and every one of us while at the same time binding us together into one body. And some people think that that unity in the church means we all have to think the same and act the same and dress the same. And and that's not true. Christian unity preserves our individuality while directing us together toward a unified purpose. I mean, you think about a a great football team. I'm not going to mention the name of what football team is the greatest football team. I can tell you a team that's not that great, you know, these days. I won't say that name either. But the power of a great football team is in its variety of positions and abilities and experiences and and, and plays and all of these things working together for one purpose. And what is that one purpose? To win the ball game, to move that ball downfield and to get touchdowns, right? That's the purpose they are all working for. Think about our bodies. 
You know, I mean, if my body was all thumbs, and I know some of you probably are all thumbs, right? I, I know I'm all thumbs sometimes. Or, you know, sometimes you might have two left feet. But if all of our body were thumbs and not eyes, if all of our body were knees and, and not wrists, if, if we had three hearts and no lungs, could we live? Could we work and function? No, it takes all of these different parts of our body to make us who we are, to make us be able to do the things that we want to do. And so Paul here is correcting the Corinthians thinking about spiritual gifts. He's telling them, look, gifts are not about status. They're not about your value or your worth. They're about functions. They're about roles and tasks within the church. And there are no use, just like there are no useless tools in that toolbox, there are no useless parts of the body of Christ. No useless people. God puts us all where He wants us in the body according to His will. Now, last week I said that really there's only one spiritual gift. Remember what I said that that was? There's only one spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift that we receive when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God freely bestows upon us His Spirit. Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.12, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul explains that salvation itself is a gift of God. We receive it by grace through faith, and he says, it's not from you. It's nothing you produce. It's nothing you can earn or work toward. It's something we freely get. And for that reason, there's no room for boasting. None of us in this room can boast about our salvation except that we boast in the Lord. We have no room to boast in and of ourselves. And Paul makes the same point here to the Corinthians about spiritual gifts. And he illustrates that by using two different Greek words. And they're in your notes, if I remember right. Let's see here. Yep, they uh, should be in your notes. Uh, They're not in your notes. Okay, so they were on the screen. (laughs) All right, so the first one is pneumaticon. And no, kids, that's not a transformer name. Pneumatic, nor is it a power tool. Pneumaticon is the Greek word that means of or from the spirit. Pneuma being spirit. Uh, so he, that's, the verse, uh, that's the word we see here in uh, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. And now about spiritual gifts, brother. Now, this was the word the Corinthians were using. It's the word they preferred. And they didn't understand it. They were twisting it and misusing it to make it seem like that they had more of the spirit than anybody else. That they really kind of thought of themselves as pneumaticons. Paul, so in verse 4, introduces a different word. For spiritual gifts. And that's the word charismata. It's where we get the word charismatics from. Uh, charismata. And that word means gift of grace. Paul says, look, spiritual gifts are a gift of grace. You did nothing to deserve them. You cannot generate these gifts in and of yourselves. They are freely given by God and all we can do is receive them and put them to use. Spiritual gifts are from, for, and about the one who gives them, not the ones who possess them. They say nothing about us. They say everything about God. So that's the source of our spiritual gifts. It's the Holy Spirit. But then Paul kind of takes these two words, these two ideas of of the Spirit and gifts of grace. He combines them in verse 7 to help us also understand the purpose of spiritual gifts. And, And I want to highlight three very briefly uh, and and that, that verse he says in, is in, there in verse 7, he says that spiritual gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so that tells us the first purpose of spiritual gifts is to edify the church. The, 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 the work of the Spirit 
for the common good. Paul says also in Ephesians 4.12 that they are to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what edify means, like an edifice. We, we, we are built up. So our gifts don't come from ourselves. They come from the Spirit. He is the source. And the reason that He empowers us out of God's grace is to do the work of the church, to build up the body of Christ. Now, in the rest of chapter 12, Paul really kind of expands this body analogy. And we looked a little bit at that last week or two weeks ago, where he he talks about we're all these different parts of the body working together for the common good. That's the purpose of spiritual gifts. Then in chapter 14, where he specifically addresses this issue of speaking in tongues, and and I'm not going to get too much into that today, that's a whole other sermon. Uh, We'll look at some of that on Wednesday night, because people really get kind of wound up about that. But uh, Paul, throughout chapter 14, as he's talking about speaking in tongues, he makes this point time and again. Spiritual gifts, if they are of God, if they are genuine spiritual gifts, must be for the edification of the body. It's always for building up other people. Gifts are not given for the benefit of the one who possesses them. They are only given for the benefit of those that we're using them to serve. And this was one of the chief mistakes the Corinthians were making. They thought that their gifts, particularly these these kind of sensationalist gifts, proved that they were full of the Spirit. But listen, gifts are not the evidence of whether or not we are full of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are not that evidence. The fruit of the Spirit is. There's a difference there. We can think of spiritual gifts as doing qualities, how we do things. But the fruit of the Spirit are being qualities. That's the kind of person that we are supposed to be. And while no one Christian will display all of the gifts of the Spirit, guess what God expects for each and every believer? He expects us to bear all of the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control should be exhibited in our lives all the time. Now, we don't always do that, do we? That's why we're here today. We need that reminder. We need that encouragement. We need to make confessing before Him how we are falling short of that and, and asking Him to fill us with the Spirit so we can bear that fruit. In chapter 13, a lot of people think chapter 13 kind of is just kind of plunked down in the middle of this discussion about spiritual gifts. Chapter 13, the love chapter here, is there to help us understand the difference between the doing qualities of spiritual gifts and the being qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, especially the fruit of love. Now, look up at chapter 12, verse 31. Paul says, But eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Now, when Paul says that, he's not setting up some kind of a competition between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. He's not trying to say that love is like a greater gift over prophecy or over encouragement or over faith or giving. That's not what he is saying there. Paul is putting our giftedness, Paul is putting the way in which God shapes us for service into the context of love. How we carry out our ministries, how we serve from our shape. The most excellent way that he mentions there is that we love people through our gifts. We don't use our gifts to benefit ourselves and to make ourselves look good. Does that make sense? That's the point Paul is making. Our priority first should be developing the loving character of Christ within us, bearing His fruit. Discovering our specific areas of giftedness is a secondary concern. 
Because the true mark of how spiritual someone is doesn't depend on whether they have the gift of encouragement or prophecy or miracles or mercy. It's whether or not they are loving God, loving others, and making disciples. That's the mark of spiritual growth. In fact, remember what Jesus said. He said, the way the world will know that you belong to me is how? It's by the way you love one another. Love is that defining mark of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so in chapter 13, Paul is making a very important point. And he's saying that spiritual gifts, as important and powerful and useful as they are, spiritual gifts will someday pass away. It's hard for me to imagine, but you know, one of these days, I'm going to be in heaven and I'm not going to be preaching. In heaven, there are no evangelists. There are no missionaries. Spiritual gifts are here to help advance the gospel to help make disciples so that we can be together in the Lord's presence for all of eternity. But once we're in heaven, you know what never fails and never fades away? Love. Love is this essential quality that we have as believers that we get to employ now and we'll get to exhibit for all of eternity. Love is the greatest of all of these things. And that brings us to the second and third purposes that really kind of are overarching purposes, and that is the purpose to evangelize the lost and to exalt the Lord. Because if you think about it, what is the church's purpose for which our gifts build it up? What is the work of the saints that our gifted leaders are preparing us to accomplish? Is it not to win the lost? Is it not to make disciples in Jesus' name and to give Him all the glory, praise, and honor due His name? That's the purpose of the church for which our gifts help us to accomplish. And Paul, in chapter 14, is concerned about both of these things, illustrating how important it is to use our gifts to edify the church, not the individual, to direct people's attentions to Jesus, not ourselves, and to help people come to faith in Christ, not to hinder them. And he kind of introduces that whole concept there in verse 1 when he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. What Paul is wanting them to focus on first is love, secondly, on on discovering how God has gifted them, especially those gifts that will help proclaim the gospel through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. That all of these are manifestations of the Spirit at work in and through us. And each spiritual gift is a different expression of God's grace, equipping us so we can join God in His work. Now, as a pastor, I hear this a lot. I hear, you know, when it comes time for committees to be formed, or we're looking for Sunday school teachers, or we need some help in the nursery, or we're trying to train people to share their faith, or it comes time for deacon selection. The thing I hear so much from people is they say, David, I'd love to help, but I don't think I can. I'm not worthy. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the Bible enough. I'm not good enough. I don't, I don't think I could represent our church well enough. And, and, you know, certainly we all have areas in which we need to grow and work. But listen, by grace through faith, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has made you both worthy and able of serving Him. Because He's given you His Holy Spirit. In, in the book, You Are Gifted, Ken Hemphill puts it this way. He says, when you understand that God created you in His image redeemed you by His grace, gifted and empowered you by His Spirit, and specifically chose you to serve alongside Him to advance His kingdom, your life will be forever changed. And that's my hope and prayer through these messages, is that you will come to discover that you are gifted 
That you are shaped by God. That God does have a purpose for you. And that God can use you if you make yourself available. And I hope that you will experience His presence and His power at work in your life. And you will be forever changed. 1 Peter 4, 10-11, Peter says, Each of you, not some of you, not most of you, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So however God has shaped you, remember that you are gifted and shaped by God according to His will for His purpose and His ultimate glory. And that means that how we use our gifts is really more important than what our specific gifts might be. But the Bible does give us some indication of what those gifts might be. And that's the next thing in your notes there, the variety of spiritual gifts. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us two lists. The first we've already read, and that's this list of visibly miraculous gifts. These are the ones that the Corinthians, you know, highly prized and were seeking after. But then Paul goes on in chapter 14 to indicate a second list a ministry-oriented list of leadership and abilities. The Bible mentions approximately 19 spiritual gifts, although there's some debate about that list and what, what is or isn't, what you know, was, was a gift but isn't a gift anymore, and we'll get into a little bit of that on Wednesday night. But, but we can kind of categorize spiritual gifts, and, and in your notes you see one way we can do that. And again, there are other ways to categorize these, and, and we'll look at those again on Wednesday night. Are you getting the hint that I really want you guys to be here Wednesday night? either in person or online. But you'll see in your notes, and I'm not going to read through this, this whole list, but the, there are gifts of worship, gifts that are used in the public setting of a worship service to help proclaim the gospel. There are gifts of service. Lots of these are kind of behind-the-scenes gifts where we're meeting needs and encouraging people and praying for people and giving and, and doing things that, that nobody may ever know that you've done. And there are gifts of witnessing, gifts that are employed by the church in the world to help proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the last question that I want to address very quickly this morning is how then do we discover and develop these gifts? Remember, when we freely receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, we receive everything we need to carry out God's will. Gifts are manifestations of God's grace, God's Spirit working through us to accomplish His purpose. So that means that whatever God is calling you to do, whatever need He's put in front of you to meet, guess what? He's going to equip you in that moment with whatever you need to do it. Amen? Again, I, I hear people, and I said this two weeks ago, people will use, well, I'm, that's not my spiritual gift. I can't serve in that way. All right, well, that, that may be true. Maybe God doesn't want you to serve in that way, but maybe you're using that as an excuse. If God puts a need before you and you have the ability to meet that need, don't use spiritual gifts as an excuse to not do that. But there are certain ways in which we tend to be uniquely gifted by the Spirit. And how do we discern what those are? How can we develop and be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms? Well, the first thing, the first blank there under that point is believe. Believe that God has gifted you. Believe that He has empowered you by His Spirit. The second thing is to then pray for God to reveal your areas of giftedness. Paul talks about seeking spiritual gifts, desiring them. How do we seek and desire spiritual gifts? Through prayer. We pray about them. Ask God to reveal them to us. And three, study what the Bible teaches about gifts, which we've done a little bit today, and we're going to have more opportunities to do in the future. 
In fact, in your notes is a list of all of the, the major scriptures in the New Testament that deal with spiritual gifts. So you can go and read those on your own. D is explore and evaluate the possibilities by serving short-term in various ministries. So, in other words, if you want to know what your gifts are, you've got to use them. You, you, know, you can't just sit at a desk and study it. You've got to get out there and do something about it. That's really the only way to, to know for certain what your gifts are. Is God using you in supernatural, special ways when you serve? And we, only, we can only really give God glory when we attempt God-sized tasks for Him. When we get out there and we just kind of put ourselves out there and step out in faith and do something that we know, if this is going to work, it's not me. It's going to have to be God. And then we begin to discover what those gifts really are. E is watch and listen for confirmation from the church. You know, since our gifts are given for the edification of the body, the church, and and we function like parts of a body, we can really only discern, develop, and use our gifts where? In the context of Christian community. I can't really discover and employ my spiritual gifts if I'm being a lone ranger Christian all out here on my own. I have to be a part of, of a local church, a family of faith, ministering and serving in the community. And it's when I am working with you in conjunction. I mean, my thumb, apart from my hand, isn't much use, is it? We've got to be a part of the body if we're going to know our gifts. And, and more times than not, someone else will recognize your area of giftedness before you do. And it was men and women in my church growing up that began to help me to realize God was calling me into ministry. As they were affirming me and recognizing things in me and areas of giftedness in me, uh, these men that are being ordained today and the other men that have been called to serve as deacons for this next year are here because members of this church recognize something in you that God had gifted you and was calling you to something very special. And the last thing we should do is to examine our motives. Always examine our motives. As we discover and develop and deploy our gifts, make sure it's motivated by love. By love for the body of Christ and the glory of God. By the desire to reach our neighbors and the nations with the gospel. Because love really is the most excellent way that we should follow as we eagerly desire to know and use our gifts. Now there uh, on your seat with your order of worship was a little assessment tool. And this is just a crude way to kind of help you get started on the journey of discovering your spiritual gifts. It's really pretty self-explanatory, and I invite you to take that home. We've got extra copies of it in the back if you need more than what's on your pew, and there's some right here as well. Uh, But I invite you to go through this, use it. We're going to work through this and answer questions about it Wednesday night as well in our workshop. And again, this is not the end-all, be-all. I've known people that have taken a, a gifts assessment And they were just like, well, that's my spiritual gift. And that's what it's always going to be and it can't be anything else. We're not trying to put God in a box. We're just trying to give you something to get get you started thinking and praying and exploring what your gifts might be. Ken Hemphill uses a great analogy in the book about the importance of discovering and using our gifts. And he, he asks this question, and I ask this question of us. Are you spectators in the stand or are you athletes in the game? You know, spectators are more than glad to sit up in the stands and not mess with putting on the uniform or learning the game or working on their skills, but just paying someone else to play the game for them. And they watch. And they cheer. And they're glad to be there. But true athletes are never satisfied to sit on the sidelines, are they? They want to get in the game. And the question for us today is, are you just a spectator? 
Or are you on Jesus' team? Because listen, if you don't have a desire to find out how God has shaped you and where God wants to use you, if you don't have this itch in you to, to learn where you can serve in the church, you might want to ask yourself whether you're even on the team. God has not called us to be fans of Jesus. He's called us to play the game, to work on the team, to be a part of the mission. And so maybe for some of you today, that means that the question before you isn't, what are my spiritual gifts? The question for you is, are you on Jesus' team? We're going to have an invitation in just a minute. And this invitation is for you. The whole purpose of spiritual gifts is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that people who are far from God can come near. So that those who are lost in their sins can find forgiveness in God's grace and be given a fresh start as citizens of His kingdom and members of His family. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never turned from your sin and trusted in Him, then I invite you this morning to do that. So that you can receive that first primary gift of His Holy Spirit in you. To change you from the inside out. I invite you to come and entrust your life to Jesus Christ today. He wants to make something great out of your life. He wants to gift you. He wants to use you in amazing ways. But being a part of a church is also an important part of discovering and deploying our gifts. Maybe for you, you've been worshiping with us, you've been coming here, but you've not really planted your flag here. You've not really said, you know what, I want to, I want to play on this team right here, First Baptist Thompson. I want to be a part of what's going on here. I want God to use me here. The invitation is for you to come and to discover how you can become a part of this family of faith right here. And for the rest of us, the invitation is simple. Will you believe in your heart that God has gifted you and shaped you for a purpose? Will you prayerfully ask Him to reveal that to you? And will you get out there and do something to discover where God wants to use you in the life of First Baptist Church, Thompson, Georgia? Let's stand together. Let's pray, and I hope that you'll respond as God's Spirit leads you. Father, we are thankful for your grace. Lord, none of us deserve what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. Father, none of us deserve the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. None of us deserve in and of ourselves to stand up and to speak for you, to work for you. But God, it's not about us. It's about you and your grace and your mercy. And if there's anyone here today that needs to experience that today for the first time in their life, I pray they would come. If there's any family here, anybody that you are leading to unite with this church family to, to develop and deploy their gifts right here, I pray that you would lead them to do that. And God, I pray you would help all of us to embark on this journey of, of self-discovery of who you have shaped us and who you are shaping us to be for your kingdom's glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.